0: Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when his son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks, Derek.
1: Good morning. Before we begin this morning, I want to uh, echo what Pastor Emily shared in uh, the opening prayer and to acknowledge that as we celebrate this day, we need to also acknowledge that this day might be hard uh, for some folks, hard because uh, there is much pain and uh, just pain in lives and in the lives of others, because on this day many come bearing wounds of uh, relationships with fathers, maybe a relationship with a father who died uh, untimely, maybe a relationship with a dad uh, or who was a father-like figure. And we need to acknowledge that the pain is also magnified on this day for the dads who, or the guys who wanted to be fathers but couldn't and for those among us who also had a less than great day. Will you pray with me? Gracious, holy, loving, forgiving God, we give you thanks for this day. May we rest and may we be still in the silence of this moment to quiet our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to listen, to be at the foot of the cross to take in what it is that you have for us this morning. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said. From the stories of Jesus that we have heard thus far in the sermon series, we have different facets of the kingdom of God different facets from these stories like we are coming together because God is about to do a new thing. God is going to unify us. God is going to bring us together. God has called us to share these seeds of the gospel and then to share it with one another and then as to receive more. God is calling us not to sit idle, but to go and to do. We are called, Jesus said in a story. We're called to love and to care and to show mercy and grace for those who come across our path, our neighbors, and that is all people who come across our path. And to know that we all stand in need of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. No one needing more, no one needing less. As Pastor Emily lifted up last week, God in this kingdom, the kingdom of God evens the playing field Those who are exalted will be humbled, and those who are humbled will be exalted. The first will be, and the last will be, let's repeat it together. The first will be last, and the last will be first. At first glance, as we read these stories, they are all about us, right? Are they all about us? What do you think? Yes, yes. Those online, write it in the chat. Do I fit in here or do I fit in there? Am I more like this character or that character? What in this scripture passage has my name on it? What do I connect with the most in this scripture passage? And in doing so, when we do that, we miss the point. We miss the point because it's a bigger picture. We can't always see ourselves in these scripture passages that we read from Jesus about the kingdom of God because we're not the main characters. God is the main character. God is the one who is bringing about the restoration and the healing and the reconciliation to not only humanity, but to all of creation. And when we do so, when we try to fit ourselves into this box, We reduce these stories to nothing more than a relatable lesson. And we come away unchanged and unchallenged. Often the premise of Jesus' parables are calling us to, to not fit ourselves in and align more with one person or a character, but to grow in our understanding of the kingdom of God, God's wills, God's wants, God's ways, God's desires. We're called to be more in line with God's and less in line with our own. As we read and as we understand and as we go beyond the surface, we come to find that these stories are more about God, the way that God acts, the way that God forgives, the way that God saves, the way that God works. Now friends, don't get me wrong. Like I said, we are part of the story, but we're not the main character. God is. This scripture passage that Derek read for us this morning uh, encompasses a story that is all too real and familiar for many of us, right? This passage embraces the very real reality of familial relationships, and it's messy. Is, are your family relationships messy? Listen, I got a lot of mess, so I'll raise both hands. Let me raise a leg, another leg. Nobody? Everybody's family is okay. Raise a hand online. Whether it's a mother and daughter, a father and son, a husband and- wife, relationships both good and not so good, are what happened? From the early part of our scriptures, from Adam and his sons Cain and Abel, from Abraham and his sons Isaac and Ishmael, from Isaac's sons Jacob and Esau, there's a lot of baggage, a lot of issues, a lot of imperfections. I want to ask you another question. How many of you grew up with siblings? those online raise your hand wait keep them up keep them up siblings so you know those of you who are raising your hands know something called sibling rivalry right mom you always liked blank better than me dad you always liked fill in brother or sister's name here better than me how did it feel Sibling rivalry back and forth, always trying to compete, always trying to one up your sibling. And when you heard the story of the prodigal son this morning, maybe you thought in your mind whether this is the first or the hundredth time of your hearing it. Maybe you thought in your mind, well, this story is very unfair. The father's love is extravagant on one son, but not on the other. Or maybe you thought about the wastefulness of the party that the dad was throwing for his son who had just come home. Or maybe it's about the conceitedness of the older brother always thinking about himself. The reconciliation in the relationship between the father and the younger son is about the relationship between God and all of humanity. And in all actuality, from this story that Jesus presents to us is about how God treats us, how God saves us, how God searches for us, how God walks and waits for us, wherever we may be. Here in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, we find that Jesus is surrounded by a mob of grumbling scribes and Pharisees. And then they're grumbling so loud that the tax collectors and even the sinners, get ready for this, even the sinners come and join in that mob that are surrounding Jesus. And as the scribes and the Pharisees gather around him, they say that this fellow, this Jesus, this man, he welcomes and he eats with sinners? (laughs) Jesus follows up that scoffing with three parables, a string of three parables about the lost and the found. There is a lost sheep, there was the lost coin, and then there is this lost son, also known as the prodigal son. I want to invite you to go ahead and read, read chapter 15 of Luke, as Derek read this morning, right? It's not a hard read, right? No, no. And he read most of it already. So you just got the lost coin and the lost sheep. But go back and reread it because in this third parable, we find one word that is there. And it's in all of the other parables as well. It's a moment of transformation. It's a moment of milestone. And it's the word until. I was lost until I was found. I was blind until I could see. A moment of transformation, a moment of milestone, a moment where we are forever changed. The scripture passage from Luke 15, it says that Jesus was telling the story about a man who had two sons and one of them went up to his father and asked for his inheritance. And after his inheritance, this son went out to a distant country, put as much space as possible between himself and his father, and then while out in this distant country, he spent all of his inheritance. And then he slopped and sloped to living like a pig. Everything. All of his inheritance. And he went out, and then he had to sleep with the swine. I'd always wondered about this parable. What, what drove the father? And what drove the son? What happened? Why was the relationship fractured? Was it that the son was receiving some expectations from his dad that were uh, he was unable to live up to? Listen, if you're going to live in my house, then you're going to play by my rules. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've even said that before. Or maybe this father was just not close in his relationship with the son. Maybe there was some abuse or neglect, maybe something else. Maybe he was not receiving enough attention from his dad. And so his self-centeredness continued to be promoted. Through his actions, though, the son was essentially saying to his dad, Listen, dad, I want my inheritance now. I want now what I'm supposed to get after you die. I wish you were dead. What about those moments? Have you ever been on either side of that phrase? Have you ever experienced the pain when that phrase comes? As Jesus was telling this story, I'm certain that the scribes and the Pharisees and those who were surrounding Jesus, even the tax collectors and the sinners, they were shaking their head in disapproval of the father's actions. Sorry, the son's actions. The son had distanced himself from not only his father, but his other brother and his family and even his culture. This guy, this younger brother was no longer seen as a Jew because of his actions of feeding and being around the swine. And he went as far away as possible to get away from his dad, to live the good life, to go off to the distant country. And while he finds it, he lives that good life until the inheritance ATM starts blinking insufficient funds because he spent it all lavishly. He's lived outrageously. And then one day it's all down the drains. He had nothing. His adventure was over and he had no one. The son was starving, doing anything that he could in order to get some money, something to eat, some place to stay. And at some moment, our scripture passage says a moment where he came to himself, an aha moment. In seminary, we would call this a, a come to Jesus moment, because we needed to come to Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah? Praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. Come to Jesus. <laughs> On his journey towards home, the son was off in the distance, and he was rehearsing what he was going to say to his dad. And Just if we're honest, I'm only talking to the people online here. If we're honest, I've had that kind of moment on my way home before. Shh, these people don't need to know. Times when you probably broke your parents' favorite trinket that was on their desk. Or used their baseball that was on their desk that was signed by Babe Ruth, right? The sandlot, that's how it goes. This guy, this younger son, is rehearsing what he's going to say to his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And as he's going towards home, he says that and he repeats it again and again, waiting, waiting, waiting. And as he's still far off into the distance, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to him and put his arms around him and he hugged him and he kissed him. This dad was not just going about life, sitting on the porch, rocking, drinking some sweet tea, waiting for his son to come home so he could say, I told you so, boy. Or, well, tough luck, kid. Instead, the father runs up to his son, wraps his arm around him, kisses him and loves on him and hugs him. And then he tells one of his servants quickly, go and get the robe, the best robe, not just some mediocre robe, but the best robe. And get some, get a ring and get some sandals, put them on his feet and put it on his hand. And then he says, go and get the fatted calf, not just a mediocre goat, but get the fatted calf. Because we're about to party this son of mine that was dead is now alive. This son of mine that was lost is now found. Never in a million years could the son have ever thought of, that he would receive this kind of welcome home from his dad. Never in a million years. A full a welcome home that was full of love and of grace and of forgiveness. Years ago when I was still in high school I started in pastoral ministry and it was at a small rural church in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, and I was serving as an interim lay uh, pastor. And the DS, who was the boss, right, the DS called me and told me about this church, and I willingly accepted. I was like 16 at the time. And then the DS, the district superintendent, had said, listen, but you've got to have a mentor, because I don't want you to do anything stupid. 16-year-olds don't do anything stupid, Right? Listen, I don't want to, uh, to I, just, I just want it to be okay, right? That's what the DS said. I don't want you to do anything stupid. So they gave me this mentor, and his name was Dr. Don. And Dr. Don had said to the district superintendent, Listen, I don't want to be a mentor, not just to Jeff. He's a good kid. But I don't want to be a mentor to anybody because there's more forms and more paperwork that I have to fill out. And I've already got enough forms and enough paperwork. Do you have enough forms and paperwork in your life already? Amen? Amen. (laughs) I don't need any more forms and more paperwork. So Dr. Don had said to the district superintendent, no, but I'll be his friend. We had a great relationship during my time sitting underneath him as my mentor-mentee relationship. And beyond all of the forms and all of the paperwork that Dr. Don begrudgingly filled out, There was a requirement that I was supposed to attend a Bible study that he would lead and facilitate. And so I went to a couple of those Bible studies that he led and that he facilitated at his church. And I went there during a season in the life of the church where they were studying the gospel of Luke. And actually, this passage came up. And on that night, one Wednesday, we were sitting in this Cold, drafty Bible study room, right? Adequate for Bible study because it's cold and drafty. No, it keeps you awake. There was one gentleman, and his name was Kurt, and he was sitting in the same chair every single week that I went in the southwest corner of that room, and he always sat attentive, never saying a word, but following along. And one Wednesday, as we came to this Scripture passage from the Gospel of Luke about the prodigal son, We finished the study and he ran up to Dr. Don with this concerned look on his face, upset look on his face. And he said, Dr. Don, what about the bath? Don looked puzzled. Then Don looked at me and said, Do you, Mouth, do you know what he's talking about? I'm a high school student. I didn't even go to seminary yet. I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't read about a bath. Anyways, Dr. Don then proceeded to wave me over and asked me, do you know what he's talking about? No. Kurt proceeded to become a little bit more unsettled, and Dr. Don then said, Kurt, what are you talking about again? He said that again. Kurt said, you know, you know where he had been. You know that he would have had to take a bath before the dad would embrace him, before the dad would hug him, before the dad would kiss him, before the dad would put a robe around him. You know that where he had been. Where had he had been? That's what Kurt said. Me, a 16-year-old, right? It was an easy answer, so I took it. He was in the pig pen. Great. Great. Kurt said, exactly, but Dr. Don smirked a little bit, and then another question came up. What would he have smelled like? Do you know what he would have smelled like, what was on the bottom of his sandals, the bottom of his shoes, up his leg, and maybe on his arms? Again, easy answer, right? I was 16 years old, pig poop. He would have smelled like pig poop. Dr. Don smirked a little bit, maybe even chuckled, but Kurt, (laughs) he just got a little bit more mad. I couldn't help it. The son, Kurt said, the son was dirty. The son was smelly. The father would have never loved him or kissed him or hugged him or put a robe on him or put a ring on his finger or put sandals on his feet. Where is the bath in the story, Don? Why didn't you talk about the bath? Dr. Don said to Kurt, there is no bath in the story. But Kurt Kurt, let me let's read it again. And so we looked at Luke chapter 15 and again and again, and there was no bath in the story. and maybe as you go read it, you can find the bath in the story, but I assure you it's not there. Kurt, as pastor as Dr. Don was reading the scripture passage again aloud, Kurt started weeping. Kurt said, "All my life, I thought that this story The younger son had to take a bath before he came home. And Dr. Don said to Kurt, in all your life you've been trying to get clean enough to go home. Kurt, with tears falling down his eyes, nodded. What length has God gone for you? What things seem irrational that God has done out of hope that you will love him? At the very heart of our faith, friends, we have a God who goes to amazing lengths to draw us and all of humanity, all of creation to himself. It is God's act of drawing us all together as a restorative and as a redemptive relationship. It's not about the ways that we try to impress others or the ways that we try to impress God with with all of this lavishness, all of this extravagance, but it's about our own relationship with God. It's not about our worthiness, our own self-imputed righteousness. It's about God coming towards us. God, the sons and the daughters coming to us, the prodigals, to you and to me. God is coming towards us, willing to lay aside everything for us. The father in the prodigal son parable was extravagant in his love for both of his sons, just as self-centered as his sons were in their actions. As the father is embracing his younger son that was once lost and now found, was dead but now alive, we have the older son. We can't forget about the older son. Speaking as an older son myself, don't forget about the older kids. The dad was embracing the younger son and the older son was out. Out by the road. He had done the right thing all the time. He had worked in the field. He had done his share of the work and even his brother's share of the work. And he hears all of this commotion coming from the house. And he asks one of the servants, What is going on? And the older son is astonished to find that his dad is throwing a party. A party for his younger brother. And the older brother is absolutely outraged to learn about this party. This lavish homecoming party. And so he's filled with rage and resentment. It's so unfair. His brother had used everybody. His brother had used everything. Meanwhile, the older brother had stayed. He had followed the rules. He had done anything that his father had requested. But for what? Nobody was throwing him a party for doing the right thing. He was so angry that he wouldn't even go in to the house for the party. And then as a much younger brother, the older brother is outside on the road coming back to the house and looked up and he saw his father. His father coming toward him with arms open wide. But the older brother said, listen, Dad. Listen, Dad, because for all of these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed you. I've never not followed your command. And yet you have never even given me A young goat so that I might celebrate and party with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he says, but when this son of yours, not even saying that he was his brother, when this son of yours has come back, even though he has spent all of his inheritance, and now, now you kill the fatted calf for him? Come on, dad. The older brother worked hard all day and all night, always keeping his promise, always honoring his dad, always following the commands. The relationship between the older son and the father was all show and no substance. It was hollow. Did the father love his son? Absolutely. But did the older brother know it? Probably not. Where are you today? Which son do you most align with? Which son most resembles your life? Are you in some far and distant country trying to make a go of your life, trying to find the good life apart from the one who loves you? Are you having that face palm aha moment finally coming to your senses? Or are you like the older son, the older brother living all alone out in the field, living in a relationship that has no depth, resisting God's grace and thinking for yourself that you deserve better than you have. My brothers and my sisters, the gift of the father in the story was not about inheritance. It was not about money or power or wealth. It was about unfailing, unending, never perishing, steadfast love that he gave to both of his sons. No matter where they were, no matter how far or how near they were, They were always with him. For both of the sons, the father held his arms open wide and said, Come home. Arms that were full of love and of grace and of comfort and forgiveness. No matter where you are, maybe you are feeling like you are the younger son who has wandered away and sinned and squandered everything you had. Know that this is true. It's never too late to come home. Amen? Maybe you are the older son who is filled with anger and resentment and pain, a grudge-ridden heart. No, it is not too late to let it go, to give up the need to be right in favor of a relationship with a God who always embraces you and who always loves you. Friends, on this day and every day, look up. Look up to the one who says to you every time, come home. Everything I have is yours. Look up to the one who is reaching out to you time and time again with arms open, wide arms of love, arms of grace, arms filled with grace and forgiveness. Look up to the one who says, I can heal you. I can mend your brokenness. I can gather and relieve all that is painful in your life. Look up to the one who tells you time and time again, to come home.
0: Amen.